Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez. And joining us on the show today is a very special guest. It is the one and only Tabitha Carrier with TSC Fitness out of Louisiana. Tabitha, how are you doing today? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. I'm doing great. Glad you had me on. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. And before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you have going on with TSC Fitness, you know, first, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you describe the business to people and what made you get started in the first place? Okay. Um, To describe the business, I would say friends working out together, getting fit together, getting healthy together. Um, I don't compare us to other gyms because it's more like family. We know everybody. We're from a small town. Um, How I got started, long story, but I have always been small, have always been in sports, a so good path. Um, decided one day I was ready to quit smoking and food tasted a lot better whenever I quit smoking (laughs) and I gained about 40 pounds, um, pretty quick. Uh, my next step was to try to get the weight off and I just started walking. I started watching other gyms, other people posting about their fitness journey and I was very intrigued. Um, people started asking what I was doing when that, when they noticed I was losing the weight. I decided it was time for me to go to school to be a personal trainer. And that's what I did next. Um, And it just kind of advanced from there. I started working at a gym, personal training, and did group training. Taught my first class, scared half to death. Um, And I worked there for a few years. But I was, my vision was a little different. But my clients weren't ready for that. They pushed me to do more. And I rented a space by the hour um, just to teach class and to do group. We found a little studio I could rent, kind of transformed it into doing group, uh, group training and just classes, purely classes, no gym was never even in my mind. And that grew out, we outgrew that space in about three months. It, it was pretty quick. Um, we couldn't fit another person in there. We had leased it for about six months and then we signed another six month lease and we knew we had to do something. And one of my clients was selling a building and she had asked me for almost a year, do you want to buy it? Do you want to buy it? I wasn't ready for that commitment, I don't think. Um, I ended up taking that leap of faith, uh, took lots of prayers, lots of people praying for us, and we decided to buy it. And then COVID hit. About a week before I signed the papers to buy the building, they shut us down. So not knowing what I was going to do, no job. Bank already had the paperwork ready for me to buy a building. And we just did it. 
we we did it we gutted it remodeled it um while covid was going on so it gave us some time to redo everything gutted it remodeled it and when they started opening things back up we were ready but we had a gym then we had all the gym equipment we needed um key fobs for everybody to get in 24-hour access teachers in place trainers in place and we was ready I love it. I love that. I love that. And so let's dive a little bit deeper into TSC here, you know, and let's start with the bare bones basics for you. You know, I'll even start with a little simpler one. How many members are you guys at currently? I just looked whenever y'all had asked, or I think we had asked the other day, I think we're about at 150 ish, maybe a little more. Awesome. Awesome. And so now for you, if you'd have to say, what has been, I guess, not the best practical, best methods of finding new clients? Uh, Word of mouth. Truly word of mouth. We have done didn't pan out and I didn't on that road anymore um I'm from a small town so if people know that you're hardworking, you're honest they're going to support you so we have some pretty amazing people um we did step out a little bit and and grow I have um we have our own product line as far as in protein powders we hired a company and we have creatine and BCAAs, and we have our own product line now. So that ships um, across the United States. Um, we have like our regular stuff in the gym, like gym bags and shirts. And we just kind of grew over time, I guess. I don't know, just one step at a time. I do train people across the United States with a fitness app. Um, and I learned that from another trainer that I used to train with um, whenever I was doing triathlons. And I was like, let me just look into it and see, you know, if it'll work. And for us, just in the gym, and I started getting clients all over. So that has helped. I love it. I love it. And now, other than word of mouth, have you guys tried any other avenues that were, you know, whether it's social media or anything that's a little more unorthodox? Um. I have a friend that I watch on TikTok and she tried some of our products. She's an amazing lady. Um, I don't have the following on TikTok, but she does. And she told some, you know, she made a video about our products and how she liked them. Um, she's more comfortable with stuff like that. I'm not. Um, so that helped. I, I really believe she helped boost our supplement um, sales. But other than that, I have a Facebook page. I have a TikTok that I hardly ever post videos on. I have an Instagram that I don't know how to work. Um, I'm just not a very social, you know, I guess social media person. Um, this was completely shocked. I was completely shocked by the, the message that I had got to be on y'all's show. Like, this is amazing. And I'm like, I'm a little country girl. We don't do stuff like oh, that. Come on, come on. I mean, like, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. And I, I tell this to everyone who kind of is on that same boat. And it's, you know, you're not supposed to be a professional marker you're a fitness professional you're not supposed to be a marker you know so that's totally okay I think there's definitely value 
with social media, I think there's definitely oh, most definitely. When, when you know knowing how to use it properly, it can be an asset. But it's always something that you could eventually do. It's a skill set, just like you learn how to be a trainer, you could eventually learn to do that as well. But I appreciate the transparency, you know, on air, especially because I mean, with 150 members, you know, you're successful. Like you know, the, I started the with um my group training started with like. 12 i think well i think we started in the beginning with six and then i graduated to like 12 wow. so that's pretty much where we we came from yeah. and it grew a lot of percussion yeah that's awesome and so talk to me about this a little bit if i'll use myself as the avatar if i came in and i want to get started today i'm ready to go what would i then have to pay to become an active client Um, you would pay for kind of the question that you're asking, but I don't do late fees. I don't do contracts. Um, to me, that's more paperwork on me. And I enjoy training people. Um, I never went into it to be a gym owner. I just wanted to help people. And I think that's what has made us so successful is I'm just like they are. I'm in there training with them. Um, it's $30 for a membership per month and $15 for a key fob, and you never have to pay for that again. Um, family plans, our family plans start at 55. Um, so, I mean, I, I think we just keep it simple. People go through struggles. If they need to cancel, cancel it one month. You want to pick it up the next? We're good with that. I'll help, help them in any way I can. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think you're in it for the right reasons, right? A lot of people are often in this industry for, driven off profit, right? We're not going to say any specific gyms, but, you know, often they're in there for the wrong reason. I think when you can yeah. kind of, for lack of a better term, be the more genuine person, people feel that. People buy it based off of emotion, not off analytics. So when you can be the one who cares more than the other person, people feel that and, oh, yeah. and they like if, that. If somebody's on the treadmill and they're, you can tell that they're just struggling, they're in there by themselves or they feel it down, I go jump on the treadmill next to them. We're going to conversate. We're going to talk. Um, that where they may have been on the treadmill for five or 10 minutes, we may sit on there and chit chat for 20 minutes. Um, I was there. You know, we've all, we all have our struggles. I was there. I had gained 40 pounds and I needed to lose it. I needed other people to help me. So why not give back? 100%. I love the mentality. And so now walk me through this if you can, Tabitha. So if what we call is called the client journey, right? So if someone came in and maybe they're not so ready to join just yet, talk to me about what the nurture process to them being sold to them being onboarded looks like for TSC. I, um, I, we first sit down and have a conversation like what their goals are. Um, we have a weight loss journal that I give to a lot of clients. Um, I have them printed in the office. So whether they start or not, I give them a journal, write down your thoughts, write down why you want to start, what made you want to start. When they start writing in that journal of things that they want to do, they're probably going to come back. But um, I give them a call, give them a text. You know, I get their information. Um, I walk them through all of the equipment that we have in the gym. A lot of People, and I've learned just over the years, a lot of people, they'll sign up for a gym. When they walk in, they're overwhelmed. They get on a treadmill or elliptical, and then they leave. Because that's what I did. I mean, that's exactly what I did. The equipment is 
scary for some. Um, they don't know how to use it. They're scared somebody's going to watch them. So we go through all of the equipment. I want them to feel comfortable um, on how to use it. We have more the opposite. The women took up the treadmills to leave. And now they have like actual training plans. Um, we have a trainer that is amazing. He works at the hospital. He came up with a training plan. We print those out and they're on my office door. People grab them. I have ink pens sitting there. Grab them, take them home, use them. Keep them in your little binder. You'll see women walking around with little three ring folders with all their little sheets in them to where, where they started. It's their journey. It's not mine. I'm just here to help them along the way. I love it. I love it. And that's exactly what it is. It's that true. And I think what you can give them that, that understanding and that visual, that mental understanding that that's really what it is, it becomes a little simpler. So now here's a little bit of a longer winded question, but I think a good question in itself, um, you know, in the fitness and gym industry, there's about three pillars of business we use pretty predominantly. And that's going to be your lead generation, which is your marketing, mm-hmm. your client acquisition, which is your sales. And then your retention and ascension, which is keeping your clients longer, but getting them to buy more from you in that process. So of those three, Tabitha, where do you feel like you could improve the most? Um, probably getting them to do more. Um, we offer, like I said, our supplements are there in the gym. I don't believe I push that enough, even though I'm very proud of it. It's a product line that I love that I personally use. Um, I know a lot of people struggle, so I'm scared for them to spend money. Like it's only they can spend it if they want to, but it makes me nervous for them spending, you know, in the times that we have. So I think I need to do better promoting our supplements and talking to people about them. I mean, they're there, but I just don't, it's more about getting them in the gym and getting them moving. And I need to talk about more nutrition and our supplements that we offer. Yeah. And, and, you know, I appreciate the honesty and transparency and the fact that, again, that you can discuss that there's always room for improvement Mm -hmm. regardless of current success. And I think, um, one thing to piggyback on what you're mentioning, and this is just for the viewers and for yourself, whether you know it or not, you know, um, people don't realize, but gym goers, new gym goers, whatever you want to say, just gym goers in general, are more willing to spend more money on supplements than they're willing to spend on their own training, which sounds absurd. Yep. But just think about the time delay, right? People know that working out, going to the gym, it sucks and it hurts and it's painful and it's not fun. But you can take this magic pill or there's magic powder if you will and feel the effects almost you know immediately right you take a thermogenic and you feel that the, the sweat yeah. a little more right you take the oh, yeah, that heart powder, races. Right? you know exactly so it's those are the things that you'll be surprised when if you just let them know you have it or the way you present it it goes a long way so i love that i love that and so last two questions for you here tabitha so for you you know What's the bigger picture? What are you trying to accomplish? I don't, I don't know. People ask me that all the time. And I've even thought about it whenever I, I had 
spoke with Louise too. It has grown the way that it has because of sticking to those same thoughts and morals, just just being kind and helping people. Um, I, I wanted it, of course, to pay the bills. You know, I wanted invested all this and and wanted it to make sure that it was profitable, but it exceeded my expectations um, and continues to do so. I don't know where we're going to go from here. I know I need a game plan. Um, my grandmother just passed away. She's been living with me and it, so I've kind of been on hold, I guess. Um, I need to know what that next step is going to be, but I don't, I don't know. I really don't know yet. I'm going to watch some more of your podcast though. Cause maybe somebody else can, can give me some, uh, <laughs> some advice. I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. I love that. I love that. And so one last question for you here, Tabitha, and this is my favorite question. And it, and it goes a little like, so if you can go back in time to when you first started your gym and give yourself that one piece of advice that you think you really needed to hear when you first started, what would that advice be for you? Keep your faith, stay kind, be good to people, and stay humble, no matter what. Stay driven, but stay humble. I love it. Talk about a freaking mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, way to close it out. Look, Tabitha, this is a good place to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, you know, please shout out your website, your Instagram, Facebook, anything you have. Where can people find out more about you and the gym? Uh, TSC Fitness Studio. Um, our supplement line is uh, Um I don't do much on TikTok. Okay. Uh, uh, um, and I and I gotta give a shout out to um, all of the trainers: Macy, Melanie, Mark, Karisan, Malian, like everybody that was there for me in the beginning. They are why we are so successful. All of our clients, we love them. I love it. I love it. Look, Tabitha, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road. And to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you want to come in, join us, talk about your fitness business, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Secret City CrossFit in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Bo Peebly, how are you doing today? Doing good, sir. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, thank you for taking some time to be on with us and share your story. So let's get into it. Tell us, um, what's Secret City CrossFit all about? 
Secret City CrossFit uh, for us is a community that we're building to better the quality of life within our community here in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Um, we're not per se more a competitive gym as much as we are really trying to change um, the lives of who you are, get you off medicine, reduce the obesity rate, um, those types of things so that when you're old and in your 70s and 80s year old, you're not having to go to a nursing home. That's our ultimate end goal uh, in a summary by doing that, producing quality product and movements and standards uh, for people. That's what we're trying to do. Awesome. So uh, a general population, community, community driven uh, health and wellness versus a, a competitive or sports specific CrossFit box. Yes, sir. That's right. All right. And this, um, you're relatively new as an owner, just went on a year, but this is a community that you've been part of for a while. So uh, give us a little bit of backstory as far as, you know, your, your journey into becoming the owner of Secret City. Yeah. So I, I actually started Secret City CrossFit itself uh, about four years ago. I joined through a CrossFit kids camp that my the kids got involved in. Um, I was running Spartan races at the time. My wife wasn't really big into Spartan races. She wanted to work out. It was something that she was intrigued with. So um, we kind of took the opportunity to do it and used CrossFit, honestly, as a date night type thing for us when we first got in. Um, we got in, fell in love with the community. They accepted us um, in, and um, me, my, my kids and I, and it, we just had a, a lot of fun doing that. And I kind of drank the Kool-Aid pretty quick here in that first year. Got my L1 after the first year and, and started coaching classes. And, uh, and then an opportunity came. Um, the, the owner that I bought the gym from, his name is Mark Berger. His son, Russell Berger, was one of the OG CrossFit guys from way back in 06, 07, some of the original days of CrossFit. So uh, he loved the community, um, really loved CrossFit. And, and I had an opportunity to take what he had started, uh, buy from him and just continue it. Uh, as we've gone forward. So that's kind of my take. And in this last year, just being the owner um, and a coach has, has been, um, it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool that the, uh, that there's some OG lineage in, in the business. And I'm sure there's probably a, a lot that we could go into with that, but <laughs> uh, time does not allow. So you had the opportunity about a year ago um, and we talked off the air a little bit with CrossFit gyms. It's yes, you're the owner. Yes, you're the person in charge, but more so than any other fitness, it's like you become the next steward of the community, the next, you know, person who's going to, going to foster and nurture this thing. So that opportunity came up for you and you didn't do what a lot of people do in CrossFit and just said, heck yeah, I love this thing. I can get together some money. We're going to make it happen. Yeehaw, right? That's, the typical how I became a CrossFit owner story. Heck, it's even how I became an owner. Um, but you came into this a little differently. You actually sat down and made a business plan. You said, yeah. what can I make out of this thing? So give us a little bit of, of the idea of, you know, how you kept yourself from just, just jumping in, but actually looked at it and put together a plan and what that looked like. Yeah. So I have a, a master's in business. Um, so I knew that going in, I couldn't just use my heart leading the way or I would get myself financially in trouble. Um, I did a lot of research on what the best way to start was. And, and, you know, you have to start from, for me was the business plan. Uh, I took two year model, uh, then a three year and a four year and a five year model to see where we we're going to be based on memberships and revenues. 
from marketing to coaching experience, everything was written down in about a 60 page uh, business plan. I did a lot of research with other CrossFit gyms in my area um, and asked a lot of questions of business operations managers at those gyms, head coaches at those gyms, and then the owners from those gyms, and then did some outside of the area. Um, honestly, listened to a lot of podcasts from like Jason Kalipa and, and some of those guys that have the CrossFit business things out there. Um, I used the, the two brain uh, a little bit on some of their stuff and three, two, one go project and really just took national averages. Um, our average in, in the state of Tennessee, some of the averages in Oak Ridge looked at target market, the best place I could find what the target market would be, broke it down, down to the per person, per dollar, per square footage, what I needed to break even per, um, and then took my business plan. I decided that it, it could be an obtainable business um, to actually be profitable and, and make some money, but yet get the bills paid and continue with the community. And then, and then instead of using all of my own money and funding it through that way, I actually went to a local bank within Oak Ridge to help with equipment and things like that. Um, and then just use the business plan and go from there. And so far it's, it's, it's held pretty true. Um, there's, there's been some things that didn't go as the way I thought, but for the most part, it, uh, that business plan proved that you, you could pay the bills and still make some money so far. Well, that's, it's definitely good. I'm glad you're, you're here to talk to us about it a year later. So a couple of things that um, I want to talk about for frame of reference uh, for, for people, because this stuff in a vacuum can be kind of tough. One is probably a big motivating factor for you, not just taking your own money and leading your heart with this thing is you're a guy that's got a wife and three kids. So you can't just, you can't go cowboy on this thing. So you gotta, you gotta have that in mind. So for, you know, if you're, if you're 25 and single and throw caution to the wind, you might be in a different position, but also you have another full-time career plus some other things that you're doing. So you, this isn't, it didn't need to put food on the table and, and keep a roof over your head right from day one. So do you feel like that helped to factor into the decision to do this versus, Hey, I got to live off this thing, support my family right away. Uh, I'll say yes and no. So yes, for me, it, it helped to understand that when I went in, it was not a live or die thing. However, I had a business partner that quit his full-time job to do this full-time. Uh, so we were going to have to split <clears throat> all profits. Um, and he was going to have to provide food for his family uh, on the table. So uh, yes, for me, it was okay, but no, it was very stressful for what he had uh, to, to buy into this. In, in past tense, do you not have business partner anymore? No, I don't. Uh, okay. There's a lot of factors in why I don't, um, but uh, that's, a, that's a lessons learned we may talk to at the very end here. Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, if you want to, we can, but you know, we, we had somebody, the uh, the other day, and I think there there are a lot of a lot of positives in having partnerships in different aspects. Um, and the <laughs> one of the biggest takeaways that we came to is like make sure your expectations are set and on paper, and and then expect for the absolute worst because business can be stressful on a lot of things. But um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on there is I hear people all the time saying, oh, you can't get a loan to start a gym or to buy a gym. You know, it's post pandemic, you know, things aren't coming. And one of the questions that I ask a lot is, well, did you actually go and have a business plan or did you just show up and say, 
I need a personal loan for 50 grand or a hundred grand or, or whatever it is. Um, so two things that stood out. One, you went to a local community bank. You didn't just hide behind the keyboard and go to, you know, the unnamed lender in the sky looking for money. And you showed up with a business plan that probably put you ahead of about 80% of people go in looking for um, any type of money. So how much factored in was it a bank that you already had a relationship with? And, and did you get any feedback from them based on your business plan for, you know, what they were comfortable lending or, or how that relationship went on? Yeah. And, and kind of to, to back up a little bit on that, I, I actually went to the small business association office in the city of Oak Ridge, which is attached to uh, community colleges and they all have them. All community colleges have them. Um, I had a, they provided a rep to me that was free through the state and he read and reviewed my business plan and gave me a lot of feedback on that. And then he put me in touch with somebody for the chamber of commerce in Oak Ridge, uh, a small business developer in the chamber. And then that person, gave me three contacts for three different banks um, that they had built relationships with and they knew. So it was all kind of a, a network connection of people within the city that were willing to help me. So I, I didn't just show up unannounced. They kind of knew I was coming and they had, I guess I'd been vetted prior to being there. So when I showed up and they reviewed my stuff, they you know kind of believed in what I was doing because others had as well. And I think that small business office was was a huge success for me uh, in the time because he helped me a lot. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> Super underutilized. And I think we, we don't get to talk about it too much on the show. So I'm glad it's something that you went through, kind of, kind of took that one for the team there of like, Hey, like I could go do this on my own and show up basically bringing a knife to a gunfight with, with a bank, just hoping and, and praying. But you took resources that are out there in the community and the small business association in various, wherever you're listening to this, at least in the United States, there's probably something like that. Some people who are in the community who have contacts who probably can give you some good insight. And then, like you said, it's not only getting that guidance, but coming in with somebody backing you up, you basically have, you know, a hand on your shoulder. Hey, this is my guy. He's got a solid plan. I think you could do some business together. Here you go. So again, you went with a little bit more armament to those conversations and lo and behold, got to use somebody else's money, which is always the best money to use, I think, is, uh, is other people's money in these instances. And, and then you get, you get this thing you know, into your hands and all systems go. You're ready to rock and roll, right? Every, money just yep. started falling from the sky people just throwing themselves at you, right? Isn't that how it works? Yeah, I wish that's how it worked. It didn't work that quite that well, but <clears throat> um, there was a lot of inf other information that I had to get and had to do and uh, provide them like, you know, my, the gym that I bought was uh, seven years old. So all the equipment had depreciated all values. So we sold all equipment and rebought, rebought all new equipment. So to, to prove that value to the banks was, was, uh, was, was, not too bad because um, they saw the value in it, but uh, it wasn't easy either. So good way to get, get yourself into some new equipment. But yeah, that's, that's another thing that if you haven't been, you know, people come in and that's one of the reasons why we put the podcast together. People come in with all the passion, all the work ethic, all the drive and tons of fitness knowledge, 
a lot of times into the micro gym space. And then when you start talking about things like depreciation on equipment, they're like, it's just, it's just a bumper plate, man. Like it doesn't need to do anything. How can it depreciate? I could sell this thing for, you know, twice retail in the post COVID market, but banks don't see it that way. And Correct. there's, there's tax implications. There's a lot of upside to that, but when you're trying to show value to a bank and get that money, um, you know, I think you have to know what you don't know going into these things. And if you're just going to fund it on your own, it's worth whatever you want to pay for it. But if you want to start having these conversations, you need somebody, somebody who understands it, you know, some type of mentor, coach, guidance, whatever you want to get. But if you want to start going, having these conversations, I mean, to be frank, you could get laughed out of out of a bank or a financial institution if if you're not prepared, and it can it could really sour the whole experience. I think so. Yes. It's cool that that you had that. So you get all that in place. You have your business plan. Um, this is a gym that existed, but I think probably like most took a took a big hit from COVID, and you know once once owners are are going away, like it doesn't matter what the previous owner was doing. You always come in with your own plans. I'm going to change this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my stamp on it. So what were some of the big things that you wanted to do when you took over? Um, right. Yeah. So I, I will say that one of the biggest, the two biggest things I wanted to do um, was provide new equipment, um, the highest quality equipment that I could to the members, uh, equipment that was going to last and equipment that was going to uh, really provide um, the ability to hit standards that we wanted to hit, um, that they didn't have to worry about it. Uh, the second thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to pay coaches. Um, that was the biggest, the second biggest change that I wanted to do personally on the business side. Um, so that for two reasons, one, if they're paid, you can hold them accountable, right. To, to your policies and processes and procedures. And, uh, two, um, if they're paid to be there, then they're going to give more effort. Um, and they, automatically buy in more when they're a, play, a paid employee. So um, that was another thing that that I wanted to do. Um, the third thing was not necessarily a business plan change. It was a business plan necessity change. We were the lowest CrossFit gym in the nation uh, membership wise. Re uh, rates hadn't been raised since 2014 uh, when I took over. Wow. So uh, we were, I, I think we were 45% lower than the national average about 40% lower than the average within East Tennessee. So that was another necessity change that was, that was hard. Um, but with the new equipment, um, cause I, we bought all rogue equipment cause it just doesn't break. The rogue just doesn't break. Um, we went all rogue with that value equipment, bringing in, um, and some other things that we did, uh, they saw that the value was there. I didn't lose any members with the increase. So, those are three changes I'll say that I made. All right. Um, as far as the increase goes, and, and we don't have to talk absolute dollars if, if you don't want to, um, that's, that sometimes can be, oh, I don't want to say irrelevant across the board, but relative change, like how much of an increase did you make to your rates? 10, 20, 30%? Do you, roughly how much of an increase was it? 100. 100%. So you doubled your prices. Basically, yes. And, to most people listening right now, um, probably trying to pick their job off the floor, especially in the CrossFit space, like 
we talk to people, they're like, I want to raise my rates. I'm afraid I'm going to lose all my members. I'm like, all right, well, how much are you going to raise the rates? Five bucks a month. I'm like, that's not even it. That's not even a rate increase. That's just inflation right now. So, right. so in that, and we always have the conversation of, you know, what's the right way to do it? You know, how, you know, where are you in the market? People are always super afraid that all of their members are going to leave if they change anything. So you did build some value in there, right? Hey, we got all this new equipment. This is what we're doing. This is where we need to be to give you what we want to give you, right? We're here to give you the highest level service we can. This is part of it. Here's our plan. Did you roll it out in some dramatic fashion to your members? Did you have a town hall meeting? Like, did you talk to everybody individually or did you, you know, shoot off an email and say, hey, we just did all this stuff. Your new rates here. Thanks. We'll see you next month. Like, how did you execute it? Um, I, I did not want to talk to each one individually um, to start because I knew that if I did, it would leak out. And as it leaked out, the story changes. So what I did was um, send an email that basically broke down the rates of where the rates were originally and why they needed to be where they were now. And then I also showed that rate in comparison to all the CrossFit gyms in East Tennessee um, and what, what they, just basically what the work they were in comparison and then the value that they were going to get. Then I went and talked to each one individually after that. Um, and some wanted to talk more than once, which I did. Um, but the biggest thing that I learned in the process of creating the business plan was the rate is the rate, right? The rate is the rate. And a lot of questions came back, well, can't, shouldn't you grandfather me in? Um, and I, I didn't do that. I chose not to. Not saying you, you shouldn't or couldn't, um, but I chose not, not to do that um, originally. So. so it was, was there, did you give anybody, one of the things that I've seen, and I don't know how it came into vogue, some people I've seen go that and they're like, hey, we're not going to grandfather anybody. But, you know, if, if you want to pay any number of months at your current rate, whatever you pay up to, I'll let you stick there. But, but then you're going to new rate. Did you make any accommodation or was it just like, hey, starting your next billing cycle, this is it. It's going to be this for everybody. You're either regular member, you know, student, whatever the discount level is, but that was it. Was there any kind of accommodation in between? Yeah, I did both. So what I did was in the email that I sent out, I said, here's the, here's the price, here's this, here's that, uh, what we're going to do in the value. Let me give me one month and let me prove to you that the value's worth it, like the product's worth it. Um, and at the end of the month, the rates are going to go up for everybody. And if you, if you, you know, trust in what we're doing then stay, if not, we get it. No hard feelings, no big deal. Um, so we kind of gave everyone a month, really, it was more like a month and a half based on when the email came out. So, um, and again, we, we didn't, we had, we did have one woman that left to try another gym and realized that, you know, our quality was actually better. So, um, she came back, took her two days. <laughs> Doubled your rate, didn't lose anybody, got yourself into the position that you needed to be to, to run it like like a business, right? And yep. there are some people that run their CrossFit gym like a hobby. They have plenty of money. They, you know, have a different career. And, and that's not a knock on that. But if it's going to be a business, you, you have to run it like that. So, you know, I, I'm sure people are, there are going to be some people that listen and say, I could never do that. Or it's like, 
you can. And in almost every instance, you're going to be better off. And the, some people who may complain and leave, you might also look and be like, well, those are the people who leave be just over that if you do it right, are often the times the people who might give you the most complaints about everything, no matter if you are free or charging a market rate. So that's okay. just that's just what we see all the time. So one of the other big things that you did is you've had to rebuild your staff. Um, you changed the model from a kind of loosely run co-op trade out thing, which is is pretty popular and it works for some people to a I'm gonna you know novel idea i'm going to pay my coaches we're going to be professionals we're going to have a business relationship so some people didn't like that that is what it is like it's part and parcel taking over but you have had to rebuild your staff so what did that process look like for you you were already a member did you already have people that you had in mind like how have you gone through that rebuilding process to build the staff back up to where it is now um well, the original intent was I was going to run all business operations, uh, coach nine or so hours uh, a, a week. And and then I had the business partner who was going to coach the other majority share of the time. And then we kept one of the highest, um, we'll say highest tenured uh, female coaches as far as CrossFit experience. So that we had a female. And then well, the plan always was to have my wife become a coach for a potential kids thing later on. But so that was kind of the goal. Um, and uh, about six months in, the, that goal was not being able to meet with the uh, business partner. And, and we ended up having to part ways and he's no longer a coach there. So I was kind of thrust into coaching, you know, 20 plus hours a week um, and then with having a full-time job or two a full-time job and another part-time job um you know i couldn't be there all the time so there was two athletes in the gym um that i know had expressed the thought of becoming l1s uh, another female that was a really good community person a good athlete um good athlete good community person uh, or a good athlete doesn't always transition to a good coach, but I, I believe that a good community person and a good athlete will. Uh, and she's transitioned into that uh, pretty pretty well. The next one is coming in at the end of the next month, and he's doing well as well uh, as far as training goes, helping right now until he gets his L1 completed. The biggest thing that I changed as far as like coaching profession um, prior to me owning the gym, coaches were allowed to work out during a class with athletes, which is not good um so i changed that they are not no longer allowed to work out they also must wear uniform type uh for class and by uniform i mean things that are not distracting so you know females can't wear booty shorts and stuff like that when they coach they wear normal shorts and they wear a secret city crossfit shirt uh, i provided them with coaching shirts that say coach on the back um and then they uh there's checklists of things that they must do when they come in and out as far as maintenance of the gym itself uh you know making sure there's water in the fridge bathrooms are clean all those types of things um i don't put too much of the business side on them um because they're coaches and i want them to focus on coaching uh, another thing i did with that was change from just willy-nilly programming uh, we're just going to do whatever we feel like today to actually following a, a regiment of programming so we purchased programming 
that gives us some flexibility to do a lot of different things, programming that's been proven, um, that gives us the ability to study coaching notes and produce high quality coaching um, without having to create it from scratch every day, which has been a big time uh, win for me as now I am the business operations manager and the head coach, uh, if that makes sense as far as team building goes. And it gives them the ability to see the notes and I can change the notes and put in notes and those types of stuff. So uh, that's been the biggest part of team building. And then just having coaches meetings. I mean, I was a coach for three years and never had a coaches meeting. And so I had no idea what was going on. So open door communication has been big um, for us, daily communication as far as what the question of the day is, um, where we need to scale certain movements, you know, how to be create uh, efficacy within athletes who feel like they can't do something, you know? So uh, that's really where we've been for team building. You've done a lot in a year, man. That's, that's for sure. And, and really made it, you know, feel more, you know, to me, more professional than average. You know, a lot of times coaches, owners, it's, it's kind of a buddy system and everything kind of runs fast and loose and it, it goes to, to the members. A lot of times it, it feels cool because like everybody is just, you know, part of the gang, but there's a noticeable difference when you walk in, if you drop into different CrossFit gyms, if you see it, it's like, all right, this feels like a business and it feels like there's some extra value. It's almost like they don't know what's missing until they see it can be better. Um, one of the things you touched on that I just, I want to clarify, everything was, was pretty solidly explained there, but when you took over, um, were coaches working out in the class that they were coaching? Yes. So simul okay, I've seen that happen in some instances and got to say there's not a lot of things that I take sides on, but almost unequivocally having been in there and done it myself and having had members like even as an owner be like, hey, there's only three of us come and work out patently against that uh, liability, professionality and like, how do you tell people that you're, you're a coaching facility when you're not coaching them like you yeah. can't. You can't work out and actually coach at the same time. You cannot. I'll, I'll go toe to toe with anybody who wants to explain that. So, yeah, I, I I thought that's what you meant, and I was like, wow, are people still doing that? But, but I guess so. Yeah, yes. I just I don't see that ever working. You know, I, I I at one point early in my CrossFit career had this weird thought. I was like, you know, I just want to get like twenty people together and share rent on a space and we can just all work out together. Like that's not a business. That was just like a club, like a cross. I could see in that model, like, but if people are paying you for that service, like I, I just don't, I don't see that ever being okay. So if anybody's out there listening and wants to debate that one, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go head to head on that. So yeah, good for you for squashing that. All right. Um, last kind of overarching topic that I want to get to here before we talk about future and plans where you're going You've um, you've got a couple of unique things outside of standard CrossFit going on. Um, one is you've partnered with the local rowing association to um, add a little service to them and and as a revenue stream. So um, you can insert whatever thing if you're out there listening that you could work with. But how did you find that partnership? How did that come to be? And and how have you made it work in your facility? Yeah. So uh, we had two. When I first started, I also had martial arts 
that we did. And um, that was an additional revenue stream from just the guy that was paying me sublease rent to do martial arts. Um, as martial arts was the biggest hit during the pandemic. So they had a lot of trouble getting back in. And so we were able to help with that until he started a new business on his own. Um, the female coach that we kept, her daughter uh, is a rower. And because of the way certain things play out in colleges now, a, f a female is almost guaranteed a rowing scholarship. Um, so we have a huge rowing association up the street from us in Oak Ridge. We have one of the longest straight pathways and waterways in the nation. So the national championships are here, the regional sectionals for colleges and high schools and all kinds of stuff. So during their off season, you know, we offer uh, CrossFit to them in a couple different ways. One is a bodybuilding format that they can follow to strengthen upper body. And then two, they can just do CrossFit because it is the methodology that's been proven uh, to increase for sports. So they come in um, normally midday stuff, 1130 type class for the noon is when they come in because they don't get up early and they don't like to come in late. Right. <laughs> so midday is, is kind of that class. And it's so far, uh, you know, this year has proven that we're going to send them back stronger athletes than they got from us. So that's been a growing thing. Uh, it's more like we have to prove our worth first. So that's what we've been doing with that. All right. So, you, you know, that's, and I think that's something that could work with, you know, almost any CrossFit gym in any community, there's probably some un, un, underserved sport or activity or something like that, that has time probably in the middle of the day when your gym is more than likely otherwise empty or underused that you can go out there and just find, you know, find those first few people. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I got to prove myself, right? We're CrossFit. We, we know what we can do. It doesn't mean that everybody else does. So you get in there, you pay the dues and, and you make relationships. The other thing that you're doing, working on right now um, that a lot of people get super jacked up about in CrossFit and it doesn't take off ever the way they think or, or very often is you're working on a kid's program and you did kind of a staged approach to it and you're still in the middle of it so if you could walk us through that i think it's a really cool way to approach it and you know seems so far to be paying dividends yeah so we uh, are in our business plan we always had this thought right that we were going to do a, a kids crossfit kids um i have three kids and, and we believe that it's a, a really good methodology for them it's different programming. So we, we really wanted to, to really get into that and, and help kids grow up out of an obesity kind of state and not into one. So uh, our thought was we, instead of just jumping in, we want to gauge interest. So we did a kids Murph, just like a, basically a mini Murph, of, you know, 200 meter run. They did some ring rows and things like that. We promoted that within the gym for about a month and within the gym's families and friends. And then we had a decent turnout for that, um, which we were, please or pleasantly surprised for have that so once we got that we created a um a kids camp that we're actually going to do july 11th uh, through the 15th it's just going to be like a three-hour morning class with a competition style thing on friday um and then depending on how that works then we potentially will do a crossfit kids starting out maybe um kind of like a a three weekends in a row um type thing or like a two days a week for a couple of months and see how it goes from there if it continues to go, then then we'll go forward 
with it. My wife just finished her CrossFit kids certification last weekend. So we're ready to do it. Um, and, and prayerfully hoping that it will, that it'll take off because it is a, a revenue stream that, um, in our area that's, that's untapped. So, so instead of just saying, Hey, I think this is really good. I've heard that some people want to do it. We're going to throw it out there, you know, put a coach on staff and just expect if we build it, they will come. You've, you've stair-stepped your way into it and are, you know, kind of dipped your toes in the water and upping the level of commitment and investment each time. Yep. That's correct. I think that's a great way to go about almost any additional program that you want to do. And whether it's, you know, adding bodybuilding or weightlifting, obviously every, almost every CrossFit gym wants to have a, a barbell club or something like that. And people say, yeah, that'd be a great idea. And then you get it off the ground and three people come and, you know, there's things like that, like in a, some sort of event, something to generate interest and then a mini camp um, and then into it that can work in almost any additional program that you want to put in. So I love that you're doing that. So um, last thing, you know, we'll spend a few minutes on here talking about the future. Um, you just had your one year anniversary as the owner. So I want to talk about what your, I know you have your business plan that you're in the middle of, you know, what the, the big milestone goals are for you coming up and, you know, what are the biggest, you know, bottlenecks or challenges that you see that you're going to have to overcome to get there? Uh, okay. So my next, uh, personnel goal is, or membership goals to hit 75 members, um, that are not punch cards. So I do not consider punch cards members. Um, we have around 55 to 58 or so. So the next one's 75. The problem with that right now is I'm already hitting capacity in two of my classes. So one thing that I have to do is, is add an additional class. Um, I've looked at getting a bigger facility, but in today's market, that's not a smart move. It's cheaper to pay a coach another hour than it is to buy a building. Um, the second thing is I thought it would be very cool to put my rig in the middle of my gym, right? And it's so cool. Freestanding, six bay rig. It's an incredible site. However, you have a big rig in the middle of your gym. So uh, I actually had some CrossFit HQ guys come in for the semifinals two weeks ago here in Knoxville and came and kind of audited my gym for me. And one of the things they suggested was you need to take and move your rig out of the middle of the floor and put it on the sides up against your wall ball wall. And you can still use it for your rig space, your wall ball, and then you open up two lanes additional inside your gym. So that's the next big move is moving the rig off uh, and putting it on the wall. So that's within plans probably for the next month. That's what we're going to shoot to do. Um, once we get that, I think we'll be able to have more coaching ability within the class. Um, you know, in the last month, some things that we were trying to do for the end of the, for getting through this end of July, we've kind of already done adding some automation, adding some check-ins. We've changed software programs and all that types of things to, to kind of come up to the what we feel like is the market standard. Um, so right now, it's just going to be focused on getting the 75 members. Uh, to do that, we're going to start tapping into the new apartment complexes that are coming in. When they get gift bags, they're going to get a coupon to come to Secret City CrossFit. Um, and then the second thing is just posting through all the social media that's free within our yeah, um, within our town here that every day, every day that we're allowed to, they're going to see something from our gym. You know what I mean? Love um, it. And then that's, that's really about it for the next, I'd say 
three months and then we'll start challenges for uh, uh, nutrition challenges and weight loss challenges uh, as we go towards the end of the year. All right. Sounds like you are the man with the plan continuing on. Uh, last question for you. Easy one. Softball. If people want to check you out, find out more about Secret City, maybe reach out, pick your brain a little bit about your experience. Where are the best places to look for you on the uh, electronic universe, sir? Yeah, so you can go to secretcitycrossfit.com. That's our website. It's kind of got all our information on there. You can click the contact link and it'll call me directly on my, my personal phone. So that's what we use. Uh, always go to Secret City CrossFit uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, find us that way as well. So, uh, or you can email us info at Secret City CrossFit if you got a, just a question you want to send to us. That's it. Everything goes to you. You're uh, still a man in the trenches, giving personal service to every degree that you can, correct? That's right. All right, sir. Well, I appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. I wish you continued success. And I, I just really uh, thank you so much for your time today. All right. Thanks, sir. You're very welcome. And to everyone out there listening, as always, we don't forget about you. We appreciate you taking time out of your day with us. We hope you found value and inspiration in hearing Bo's story. If you're in the middle of this or you're thinking about taking the plunge, right? be prepared, have a plan. It's not always going to be perfect, but having, having some kind of plan is always going to win. Um, take some lessons from this. Hopefully, we'll see you on the other side. Hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there, keep working hard. Keep changing lives. Jim Lords. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show is Mr. Devin Scribner, the owner of Central Fitness, coming to you from Osage Beach, Missouri. Devin, what's going on, man? How are you today? Uh, doing good. It's incredibly hot where I am and humid. So <laughs> Yeah, for most of the country right yeah, now. Yeah, I was going to say it's bad. It's an interesting time, but that's why they invented air conditioning, at least. And, and hopefully, that's part of the gym that we're here to talk about. And so Central Fitness, Devin, obviously, this is the, the crux of our conversation today. We'll pick your brain and, and see what sort of wisdom we can extract out of there and, and lessons learned along the way. But before we talk strategy and tactics and, and the business front, tell us a little bit about the gym, first and foremost. What is Central Fitness? So Central Fitness is, um, I would call it a larger format gym. It's definitely not like a warehouse type gym, but it's a large gym that houses 
pretty much any equipment that you would want to use. Now, there's some people that come in asking for like the medical grade um, rehabilitation type machines. We don't have those, but anything that you would encounter in a typical gym, we've got it. The cardio equipment, the ellipticals, treadmills, all that good stuff. We have the plated um, isolation machines. And then we also have all the free weight stuff. We have the Smith machines, the squat racks, bench incline, decline, and dumbbells up to 130, I believe. Plenty of fun, right? Lots yeah, of toys, lot of fun anything that somebody in the fitness realm could ever want. We house within this space. And so as I understand it, this business existed long before your involvement. Talk to us a little bit about when you got involved and, and what went into that decision for you to become part of this. Sure. Um, I got involved on, let's see, it'd be somewhere in November of 2021 and just started the discussions with Matt um, about taking over the gym. He was kind of looking to sell, but it was one of those, it's on the market, not on the market. If someone approaches me, I'll sell it. If not, great. And my father-in-law ran into him after I had ran into him putting on an event at the trampoline park that's attached to the gym. Um, and so whenever my father-in-law brought that to me, I was like, well, that would be great. Let's meet and talk. Initially, he was not wanting to do owner financing, but I think he makes enough money where he talked to his accountant and the accountant's like, yeah, that lump sum might not be the best option for you. <laughs> so yeah. um, refinance changes things tax-wise. Yes, it does. Um, refinance my house, which, um, where I live in the Ozarks, especially because the Netflix series has made everything kind of blow up down here. Um, housing stuff is through the roof and it's like that across the country. But I think here specifically, we've gotten sure. the national COVID headlines where people were like, look at those idiots, you know, open and everything. So bad press, any press is good press is what they say. So the housing stuff went up, um, refinanced the home, put the money there and just jumped into it. Yeah. And so now we own a gym, right? Probably didn't grow up as a little boy thinking, I can't wait to be an owner of a gym one day, but here we are, right? Business owner with this in the portfolio. In your time as an entrepreneur in the fitness space, talk to us a little bit about what's been the best thing about owning this business. And then secondarily, what's been the most challenging thing about owning this business? Yeah. Um, honestly, the most challenging thing is awareness because of our location. We don't have a, there's several main roads that cut through Osage beach. Our building is kind of off one of the back streets buried in between some condominium complexes and other residential housing. So if you were to turn on the road from the streets, you would never think there's a trampoline park and gym down this road. You would think this is houses, this is condos, this is back. Um, so that is a huge one. The other one would probably be um, people letting other people in, but that's cut dramatically just with some of the steps that we've taken because we're a 24 hour uh, center. Everybody gets a key fob after they sign up. Um, and the best part has probably been once people sign up, it's relatively hands off as far. I mean, you have to keep things maintained. You have to keep things clean. You have to keep the space looking good, smelling of good, course. smelling good. But other than that, it's they're set up on a recurring charge. So it comes out of their account and their mm -hmm. key still works and everything's good unless it goes delinquent or they call and are like, Hey, can we work something else out or cancel or whatever it may be? Yeah. And that's sort of the ideal, right? We see all these examples of gym owners who 10, 15 years into owning a facility are still working seven days a week, 14 hour days, haven't taken a vacation since they opened. 
Mm-hmm. If you can craft this system so that it doesn't require your immediate time and attention from the very beginning, we can really build on top of this and in turn make it a sustainable business, right? Oh, if everything sure. flows through one person, then we're in some trouble. But to your point, fairly hands off as things stand now. And, and, and so, I say that loosely, I should also say that we have a GM who kind of does both businesses and is a general manager for both. So he does, you know, a lot of helpful things that if he weren't here, it'd be a lot less hands-off than it is. So I think also just building your team around you and getting people that you trust that have a good work ethic that can handle the stuff that either you don't have time for, or that they might just have better ideas about. Yeah. Yeah. And so find good people is step one to everything that we're here to talk about. Um, And so the model of this, Devin, I think we've sort of touched on it, but I think it's worthwhile to get a little bit more specific with it. The model of this is based in sort of quote unquote big box, right? People are paying a membership, using the facility, coming and going at their own time. But there are a couple of other services that you guys have available. Why don't you tell us if I'm to walk through your doors, what else is there for me? Yeah, so honestly, the main things are our trainers. We have two trainers and they don't technically work for us. We just have an agreement with them that is, you know, you can train your people in here as long as the training is not going to be you know, something way outside the norm. Um, But they offer group classes and individual private sessions that they do. And our agreement with them is basically every person that you bring through the door has to have a monthly membership. Hmm. Okay. So the gym isn't collecting revenue from PT right now. Is that right? Correct. So we offer the PT and people see the trainers that come here as our trainers But I wanted to set it up as more of just a win-win for everybody. Like the trainers feel like they are fully in control of what they're doing. Any effort they put in is money they get back. Yeah, so they're taking 100%. Got it. Exactly. And we still have the, you know, Christina's got easily 30 to 50 people that come in here and train with her either privately or individually. And that's 20 to 30 bucks a month, depending on which option they choose. So So the gym benefits from the EFT of it. The trainer taking home a, a... ton of money i would imagine depending on how they're setting wages and and structuring their business of course Hmm. do you think at any point that you will bring them sort of in-house as employees or is that working for you to keep it as a 1099 operating on their own yeah i think it's working that way i could see it um, getting to a point where if they are if their classes get big enough to where it's overwhelming the space that is the gym right now Um, and we had to go to a different location, that would probably be something where we could incorporate them into the business structure right now. But right now, everybody is happy with the agreement. They're bringing in members and their people do the word of mouth because it's all, you know, fun, but still functional. Got it. Okay. Um, It's working. And so from the, the business focus becomes, how do we build the membership then, right? The gym collects money from membership. How do we increase that number? What's been working for you? How have you been able to generate leads and and generate new members? Um, For us, I think the biggest thing has been word of mouth. Um, When we took over, it was painted trampoline park colors. So very bright um, purples, greens, yellows. I mean, it was a, you know, a whole cacophony of a circus color, right? Um, And that's honestly not what you're expecting when you walk into a gym. So the first thing we did was just paint it like a neutral gray, put 
um, wood flooring about 40 inches up on the wall to catch any like bumps or nicks or anything like that from weights rolling around and stuff like that. Um, and I think honestly that shifted people's mentality when they walked in, it felt more like a high end fitness center, but we keep our prices really competitive. And I think that was enough to get people to be like, Hey, it's 20 bucks a month and the gym looks really nice. You should check it out. And so they're just bringing their friends. And Devin, I think this is important to touch on. You mentioned 20 or $30 a month, depending on the tier of Mm. of membership that they're signing up for with the economy going the way that it's going and pricing for everything going up. Do you think that you'll have to adjust that at any point or are you happy with the price point that you're at? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. So I, Jeff Bezos has really good thoughts about kind of the structure that I'm trying to implement here. And his thought when he was starting Amazon, people told him often that he was like, your prices are too low. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to make it. You got to be hitting that like 15% EBITDA that you're trying to hit. And he was like, but if I can do 12 and survive, they'll choose me over you. And I'm not trying to put anybody out of business, but it's one of those things that we keep our prices low because there are people in the community that can't afford the $55 a month gym membership somewhere else. Um, But I think as prices go up and inflation goes up and the cost of everything go up, it's just going to make our model seem more attractive to people because they're already paying that $60 a month or whatever. Yeah. And then price for everything else goes up and you can save $40 on your gym membership a month. I don't know. Got it. Yeah. And, and valid point all around. And, and, and I'm sure there's pros and cons to both, but this is the route that you're choosing to go. And so word of mouth has been the main catalyst so far. Uh, my experience and, and industry experience shows that that's going to get us to a certain point and then sort of trail off plateau at some point. Do you think that there are any other marketing strategies that you're looking at to bust through any sort of normal plateau? Yeah, we'll probably do some um, rebranding in the uh, not so distant future, moderately near future, probably change the name of the gym because the owner who had it before, this is Central Fitness Osage Beach. There's a Central Fitness Camdenton that was a sister location. Uh We still have that fun thing where it was, which one am I talking to? Like, is this the one in Osage Beach or Camdenton? And, you know, sometimes we still get members calling from the opposite to the other owner. Um, but I think rebranding and then obviously like everyone else, social media marketing, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all that. Yeah, and, and sort of the, the gold standard for people, at least in fitness and multiple businesses beyond that point, it's a natural expansion. Social media has become the driving force for everything. Exactly. In 2022 to avoid it would be irresponsible and probably suicidal as a business. Yeah, exactly. Something for you at least to, to focus on. But I think it's 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 so fascinating because you just took this over a handful of months ago, right? There's probably a to-do list a mile long of things that you want to do, but there's just this ongoing battle of how much do we change and how quickly do we change as new ownership. Yes, we could probably spend an entire podcast talking about that. So we'll save that for another day. But take us to sort of the next step here. A lot of businesses in this model thrive in their sales process with 
someone dedicated handling the new membership signups, right? I come in, I sit down with somebody, they walk me through everything, they tour the facility. Is that something that you guys do right now or plan to do? Um, we don't, uh, we don't really plan to either. So all the, all of our employees are at the trampoline park side, but all of our trampoline park employees are trained on how to sign people up for the gym. Ah, okay. So yeah. sort of done by committee then, right? Yeah, pretty much. And anyone, it's very much the same process. We just walk people through the contract and then send them on their way. But also we let them know that, Hey, we have trainers or if they want to walk around and see the equipment obviously they take them in there and let them see them um but rich and christine our our trainers are also very good about if someone wants a full walkthrough and if they've never set foot in a gym before like how do i use any of this stuff they will gladly take time out of their day to come in free of charge and be like here's how you use every single machine and the different exercises you can do with all that yeah and so have you found or, or let me ask the question this way is conversion percentage something that you guys are tracking right now like how many people are signing up based on the total number of leads that we have or is that sort of just loosely in our gut people are signing up hopefully um so we keep a track of the number of people that sign up what did you say inversion rate conversion so uh, how many are we closing gotcha um not keeping a really good track of it Everything is very low pressure whenever people call. And in my view, when people are calling a gym to find out either pricing or what you offer, they're already shopping around. And all you really have to do is be knowledgeable, professional, and polite to people. And if you have a good product, they're going to buy it. Yep. Fair enough. Okay. And obviously, I mean, our whole conversation thus far, Devin, has been operating and growing a business, right? We need customers. <laughs> we need to grow what we're doing. We need for a fitness business to thrive. We need fitness business clients. I think that goes without saying, but for you, big picture, as you look forward with this thing, what is the longer term vision? What's, what's the play here? Yeah, I would honestly love to see multiple locations down here. Um, I don't think the people who own the other gyms down here are bad people, but I think some of them are just taking a, a different route that there's a lot of money in the community and there's also pockets of a lot of not money in the community. So it's a very unique spot where you can drive down the road and see a $5 million home and walk two minutes down the street and see a trailer. Like it's really weird juxtaposition of, of income differential. And when people um, are thinking about that, they obviously need the places down here that are the 50 to $70 a month gyms, because those are, that's the, the Apple, you know, that's the Tesla. They walk in and everything feels just high class and taken care of and concierge service. Um, but I feel like also you need stuff like this where the average everyday Joe can grab a 20 or $30 membership and say, I can go anytime I want, whether it's before my 5am work or it's after my 9pm get off time and I can come down here and do the thing. So I would love to see, one or two more locations in this tri-county area that people call the Lake of the Ozarks um, just to get more people started on their fitness journey. Yeah. And, and so for you, I mean, you said a couple of locations, right? There's plenty of people that we can target and, and more people than ever need this sort of help. Oh my gosh. Yeah. For you specifically as the entrepreneur, what's what's the longer term game plan for you is it to continue in these sorts of 
I don't want to say passive, but quote unquote, self-sustaining businesses? What's the longer term vision for you specifically? Uh, me specifically? Well, the trampoline park is a big part of that. I also am partners in a music business. Um, next year, probably going to be starting up a food truck business as well. Um, I really like finding people that have a passion for whatever it may be and seeing if I can help help them light that fire in any way. Now, obviously, I'm going to be getting some money from it because this whole thing, the reason I even took over this business is just support my family. Like I want them to have the best life possible. Um, so, but finding people who are passionate about whatever it may be that they're passionate about setting them up on a spot where they can control their own futures and feel like they are actually doing something that is impactful for the world. That's really what I want. And I feel like if you, if you set that as a goal, a lot of times money just comes as a byproduct because people enjoy the help and they enjoy the, um, the services that you provide. Yeah. And, and you, I think you bring a unique perspective here because you have your hands in a number of different industries. Fitness is somewhat unique in that if we look at this as a spectrum of like pure passion and helping people and pure profit on the other end, fitness, the best examples are typically somewhere in the middle right? We need to keep that passion and desire to help people. But if we only focus on that, we're limited financially. If we only focus on all we see is credit cards and EFT funds, and we lose sight of the people that we're actually helping, things fall apart quickly too. The best examples are typically somewhere in the middle. And it it seems like that's what you're getting at when, when you say what your goals look like moving forward. Am I understanding that properly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you obviously have to find the middle ground between you want to help them, but you're not going to wreck yourself financially. Exactly. You know, it's like, I, I want to buy everybody a car, but I just can't, you know, if I see a single mom that needs a van, it's like, man, I just should go buy them a vehicle, but sometimes you can't. Um, but whenever you can, I think you should. I mean, we get what 80 years if we're lucky on this planet, got to impact as many people as you can in a positive direction. And if that's, you know, a gym or if it's whatever line of work that you're in, you just got to get out there and do it. But I think after, like you said, I never planned on owning a gym, right? After seeing the gym industry, I would say to any people who are starting that it is probably one of the most rewarding um, business paths that you could endeavor on just because it does have the potential to so quickly be hands-off if you do it properly. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask people like I, Rich and Christina, I've leaned on them so heavily because they've owned gyms down in the Branson area of Missouri. So I have plenty of conversations like, what did you do in this scenario? What did you do here? And they're like, well, either we didn't figure that point out or this is what we did and it worked for us. And so I think another big part of it is just humility just realizing that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. No. To expand on that, I think it's usually far cheaper to learn from other people's mistakes than to make your own mistakes as well. So lean, lean into the people that have been there and done it before. I I couldn't agree more. Devin, I I think that's a pretty good place for us to begin to wrap this up, but I want to turn the mic back to you and give you the chance to tell people where they can learn a little bit more about central fitness is there a website is there social media where can we send people yeah so it's uh, centralfitness24.com and you'll have to click on the osage beach one of those we're getting ready to launch our own website once we do our rebrand so we can kind of you know cut ties 
completely with the other sister location. Um, I won't get into that specifically because that might be a little ways down the road. Um, But we're also, if you ever visit the lake, you know, come down and check us out. We're over off Passover Road. And also we have the Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, Central Fitness Osage Beach. It's kind of the whole thing on all those fronts. Yeah, fantastic. Man, I I really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's incredibly important, not just in fitness, but amongst the entrepreneur community in general to have this kind of conversation, to see what we're doing well, but also keep an eye on where we can improve. And I I can't thank you enough for your humility and and your willingness to share where you're at with Central Fitness. So man, I wish you nothing but the best. I'm excited to see what this shapes up as going forward. We'll have to get you back on at some point because I'm sure that there are plenty of things to come, but man, I appreciate it and, and I wish you the best. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. You guys seem to be doing awesome. And if you're wanting or looking into starting a gym it doesn't seem like there's a better podcast out there for people who are trying to get it started so much appreciated sir thank you to everyone who tuned in today thank you as well don't forget if you'd like to be notified about future episodes hit like and subscribe if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry click the link in the description fill it out our team will be in touch with you soon and as always until next time gym lords out Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.